The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to another edition of Roundball Ramble. I'm your host Corbin. Before you find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA, make sure to check out Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball. Tweets online Hoop Dash Ball dot com. You know where to find me, right? If you don't, it's fine. No big deal. No one really cares. On Twitter at Corbin MBA. Uh, listen, y'all. Today is Thursday, the twenty third of July, and we are moving ever faster toward the NBA draft, which is going to be in just a few short days, just early next week. As dogs outside are making noise, gotta love that. In any event, uh, we got some news to talk about. So I definitely wanted to start with the little news uh, potpourri, a little news bag, grab bag of um. That's what I'm looking for. A scuttlebutt. There you go. I love those random words. So we're going to start with my Lakers because apparently there was issues. Um, this was according to ESPN's Jordan Schultz. And this is a tweet. I'm just going to read it. Quote, League sources say Dennis Schroeder and Kyle Kuzma feuded throughout the season, with things going further south throughout the Lakers' first-round series loss to Phoenix. Interesting note to consider heading into the draft and free agency. It is very interesting to note. I mean, especially since both guys are either going to be part of the Lakers' future future in uniform or away. I, I don't see one leaving the other staying with both contracts. Uh, well, Dennis Schroeder being an unrestricted free agent, but definitely in play for a sign-and-trade, while Kyle Kuzma, who just... Uh, is get entering year one of his extension is in that mid-tier contract range that could be used for a trade. Let's say for a Russell Westbrook or for a player uh, along that ilk in terms of taking on a chunk of that salary with his own. With that being said, I don't know why Kuzma and Schroeder had beef with each other. If anything, they should have had beef with themselves because they both played pretty bad across the board. I mean, Schroeder's numbers regressed more to his career averages than anything he had in Oklahoma City where he looked really, really kind of decent he'd already come in making noise you know basically demand to be a starter despite not really showing that level and then Kuzma has talked a good game over the last couple of years but that's really been it and let's be real come the postseason both players regressed in a major way Kuzma went from averaging 12 points per game in the regular season just six points per game while shooting 29 percent from the field over six games there and then shooter he kept a scoring up because he can definitely put the ball in the bucket that's what he wants to do at least but efficiency was never his strong suit that dropped in the playoffs and he went from 5.8 assists to just 2.8 so uh, it's not cool that there's friction between those guys i mean it could be LeBron AD in terms of like what's the manner of friction that is more or less important, but it's still not cool. At the same time, I think it's also kind of laughable because like they were trash in the postseason. I mean, the Lakers supporting cast as a whole was was ridiculous, but those two in particular were were very much uh, disappointing when you consider that you had a LeBron that like it or not was hobbled, you had an AD who was definitely injured, you had a you know, a, a team that couldn't put the ball in the basket, and two of your guys who, whether in name or reputation, have that uh, kind of mindset to score, weren't doing it, and then weren't doing much of anything else. So, kind of sucks there. Kind of sucks there. Uh, we'll see what happens. Speaking of Lakers news, the Lakers are looking to upgrade their roster. Uh, no surprise there. Specifically a point guard, which, if you've watched the Lakers for most of the season, no surprise there either. According to Mark Spears of the Undefeated, quote, According to sources, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers have been on the hunt for veteran point guard and Chris Paul's on the list. They have also been talks about Washington Wizards star Russell Westbrook being a potential candidate to move back home to Los Angeles in a sign-and-trade deal that could include free agent point guard Dennis Schroeder, 
forward Kyle Kuzma and guard Taylor Horton Tucker, sources said. So that's interesting. I, I, Russell Westbrook is a little bit of a surprise to me. Did not really see that as, a, as something that the Lakers would pursue or as something that was realistic. But I mean, considering where the Wizards are, just um, hiring Wes Ansel Jr. as their coach, maybe trying to figure out what direction they're going into, um, having Bradley Beal on for another year. Maybe they are thinking about that. Maybe Russell is potentially available, will become available. We're not sure yet. Um, speaking of Taylor Horn Tucker, little piece of news there as well. Uh, yesterday, the Lakers did extend the qualifying offer to Taylor Horn Tucker. So instead of him being, you know, instead of un- lifting that leg and being unrestricted free agent, he is a restricted free agent. Everything is going into plan. But he can be included in a trade, a sign and trade, things of that sort as well. That doesn't mean that he's going to be with the Lakers, uh, you know, into next season 100%. But... That's interesting in terms of them looking for Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook because we know the Lakers' options are, are pretty limited. We saw uh, how they were last year, you know, with LeBron and AD and this, you know, assemblage of talent around them. But the two big guns for the Lakers, LeBron and AD, are set to make $76.5 million by their lonesomes. Just themselves. Mind you, the projected salary cap is $112 million, so <laughs> the Lakers blow right past that, even if you factor in their own first-round pick, which is number 22, or one of their many free agents. So, of course, you have, of course, Taylor Horn Tucker being restricted, but you also have Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, Andre Drummond, Markeith Morris, Wesley Matthews, Ben McLemore, and the player option of Montrezl Harrell, who has an option for $9.7 million. And it was assumed, you know, he didn't like the way he was deployed with the Lakers, that he might drop that option and become an unrestricted free agent, but there's also been some rumors around the league that considering the market for bigs and watching how he played last year and everything coming into consideration there, that maybe that's not in his best interest. So, he's really kind of a wild card in that situation, but regardless of that, they have two routes to kind of bring in outside help. So, they can uh, use the mid-level exception, which could be somewhere south of $6 million. Uh, That's not going to get you Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, sorry, y'all. Like, that might get you, like, a decent a stretch big maybe or a 3 and D guy you might get one guy who's very good at like a specific set of skills but you're not going to get like a major game changer with that um or you know they could make the trade that has been talked about now with Chris Paul it's interesting um I personally think he's out of their price range I mean his 44.2 million dollar player option is just crazy it's a lot. Even though they were going to trade every other player outside of LeBron James and AD, I call that the 2K special or the basketball GM special. I have teams where I play on my video game where I'm trying to trade everybody that's not my two guys to get one guy. Rarely does that work. It just doesn't make sense practical-wise, basketball-wise in general. Um, so that's doubtful. Um, even if Paul opted out and signed a long-term extension with Phoenix, the Lakers still have to work a sign and trade that would hard cap them. They wouldn't have enough room then to fill out the rest of their roster. It's a lot of issues. So it's probably safe to take Chris Paul, take that dream, and just let it float away. And that's if you just move past the tremendous success that Chris Paul's had for the Suns, the amount of success they've had together with him, making it to the finals, his impact on their culture in a positive way. I mean, if you look at all the intangibles, that's one thing. You look at the money, that's another thing. You add it together, and there's no way in my mind that Chris Paul is a Los Angeles Laker. Now, Westbrook, a little different. He's already under contract with Washington. So, I mean, it could work. You know what I mean? He's already going to be extended there. Uh, if the Lakers sign and trade Schroeder, then the Wizards would be the ones that are hard cap because Westbrook makes $44 million next year. And if Schroeder gets a reasonable salary, let's say $15 to $17 million, and then you add Kuzma and KCP, and they make around $13 million each, now all of a sudden you're in that 28 to 30 range, maybe 32-ish range, and that's a lot closer for a guy of Westbrook's ilk, at least salary-wise. Now, 
Whether he'd be a good fit on the Lakers, I don't know. I think you'd have a lot more penetration with him. I think you'd have that star talent, and that, that stands for something for the Lakers. Um, I think you have someone who can eat up innings offensive like a Dennis Schroeder did. Um for LeBron, you know, running the offense in, 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 in his absence or alongside him, someone who could do some chemistry with AD, Le, um, you know, Russell Westbrook has great chemistry with those bigs who can go up for lobs, and AD is one of those guys that can do that, so I think you'll have a lot of that. At the same time, we've seen, you know, Westbrook's efficiency uh, plummet, even though his volume has remained the same. We've seen his jump shooting uh, not been good, let's say that. Um, Three-point shooting less than not good. We've seen that too, and I'm the biggest Russell Westbrook fan out there. I don't care what y'all say, but I'm trying to be realistic as well. I don't know. I, that That's the best thing I can give you. I don't know. I think that Russell Westbrook's last couple of seasons have been knocked somewhat rightfully so because of his inefficiency, all of that good stuff. But I think that his positive impact on these rosters he's been on, I think that the triple doubles he's been getting, the rebounding he's been doing, he's one of your top rebounding guards ever. I think you look at the positives and they aren't getting enough light. So I think it's kind of a give and take situation. I'm not sure how that fits with the Lakers specifically. But then again, I was totally against Andre Drummond this past season. Lakers brass, LeBron AD were totally on board with that. So, I mean, I don't think they're ones to judge, if you, if you ask me. I think that it's worth a try. <laughs> Why not? And if you can get someone like that, do you think he's better than Dennis Schroeder? If you ask me, yeah, he is better than Dennis Schroeder. So, yeah, he might not be a better shooter than him, no. Is he better score? I would say so. Is he better distributor? I would say so. Is he better rebounder? Yes. Defender? Eh, his defense can wane, but, I mean, shooter's undersized, and that can kind of come into play, even though he does try hard and can be a bit of a ball hawk. So I think it kind of averages out in all the other intangibles that come to mind here. Uh, so that that's that's just a lot of... A lot of me saying, basically, that yes, I think he would be an upgrade. I just don't know if it would be a great fit despite him being a clear upgrade. So that remains to be seen. But the fact the Lakers are trying to make moves, we can expect a big move to be done. I don't expect the same roster to just buckle up and come back next year. I think something's going to happen between Rob Palenka, you know, pulling all the strings he can to, to make this team something different and hopefully maximize the best, the rest of LeBron James' career, the rest of the best of his career, as well as what you get from AD. So, uh, I mean, offseason's literally next week, y'all. Like, we're going to have a, a, only a short time to wait to see what the Lakers start to do here. Got some Knicks news, and not of the bad variety. Uh, the Knicks have extended the contract of GM Scott Perry. This is according to uh, Sham Sharani as well as uh, Ian Begley. Um, the Knicks signed him to that extension. He was an expiring deal. He was hired by the Knicks in 2017, and he was kind of a big proponent for the signing of the most improved player of the year, Julius Randle, back in 2019. Um, Perry was hired by then-President Steve Mills in 2017, and over the last couple of years, his work was kind of criticized, you know, um, you know, Leon Rose well, had given him a lot of, of string, and many Knicks fans hoped that he would kick him to the curb, but he kept him around, um, and he gave a, a smooth transition, and it kind of worked out okay, um, looking back in hindsight, if you look at what happened, uh, his failures off the bat were hiring David Fitzdale, just not a good fit, and drafting Kevin Knox number nine over just so many people that I think it'd be kind of sad to talk about his bat, but he's also done okay in terms of signing um, free agents, even guys who, let's face it, were in part of that glut of power forwards in 2019. He had signed Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, Taj Gibson, and Bobby Portis, remember? But Julius Randle, look what Julius Randle did this year for the Knicks. Marcus Morris was traded for the first-round pick. That turned into Emmanuel quickly, so that worked out okay. Uh, Taj Gibson, he's been a solid piece. You can say what you want. He's helped the Knicks out intangibly, even as a grizzled vet. Uh, Bobby Portis, you've seen the quality of work he's done with Milwaukee and what he did with the Knicks the previous season. So you can't say that any of those moves on their own 
were wrong. Maybe signing them all at the same time, yes, for roster construction purposes, wasn't the best idea, but ultimately it turned out okay. And he's done pretty decently in the draft as well. So, I mean, outside of Kevin Knox, of course, but assembling the core of, of Randall, you know, Mitchell Robinson, uh, yeah, R.J. Barrett, I mean, yeah, this it was good. You also have to bring up the fact that he did, you know, bring in Alfred Payton, and that was not well. But the point being, this is something that was well-deserved. Uh, he's probably in a role now that is better for him, not having a whole lot of power in terms of just going carte blanche and making the craziest moves, but being able to, you know, make solid uh base hits. There we go. There's a baseball analogy. Not really going for the home run, just doing solid uh, base hits. I'm just going to keep that one. <laughs> Alright. Also, other bit of news here. This is concerning the draft. Uh, definitely, by the time you hear this, I'm going to have another show dropping with Will Harris of the All Rookie Podcast talking about uh, some of the prospects. His mock draft, kind of going down some of the list, talking about guys who've been slept on, guys who we already know, Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, you know, Evan Mobley, all those guys. But this is concerning just two teams, the Raptors and the Magic. They have apparently, according to report, made trade offers to the Cavs for the number three overall pick. This is according to the ringers Kevin O'Connor. Um, the Raptors are picking number four. The Magic picking number five. They've both made trade offers to move to number three. Orlando especially appears to be in a strong position to make that move because if Cleveland's interested, not only does Orlando control the number five pick, but thanks to that Nikola Vucevic Chicago Bulls trade in the season, they also control with the eighth pick. So if you were to say five and eight for three, the Magic will take that because now they have a chance to get one of the top four players on board where the Cavs can get two guys in the lottery that they could form around the nucleus of, you know, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton for keeping him, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, some of these young guys. So that might work best for both parties. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that happens, especially since Evan Mobley's in that range, Jalen Suggs in that range, Jalen Green is in that range, and I would like Jalen Green in the backcourt for the Orlando Magic, someone who can clearly be a shot maker, someone who can step in that role and kind of take it by storm on a Magic team that is full of decent, good, but not great guys. I think that he has the potential to step up and become one of those guys. Um, I don't understand maybe the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors obviously want a guy there that could vault them back to contention status because that's where they're at right now. I mean, you know, they already lost Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. They might lose Kyle Lowry, but they still have Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakamo, Janobi, you know, strong bench core that they can use to make some noise in Eastern Conference and maybe, if things shake out right, find themselves right back where they were. Orlando, their timeline is starting at the very, very beginning because after Vucevic, they're definitely, they're conceding that, hey, we are starting from the bottom. They just are. They traded Evan Fournier, went to Boston. So now, you know, they have Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba. They have Markel Fultz, who's come back from the torn ACL. They could target Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green, like I mentioned. But wherever they go with Orlando, it's starting back up because they're just beginning their rebuild where Toronto's trying to kind of reclaim their place. I wouldn't say at the top, but definitely the upper echelon of the league after missing the playoffs entirely. So very interesting to see how this works out. I definitely see a trade or two happening. I think it's like 95% sure um, because it just makes too much sense not to. But then again, just when I say that, it might just happen. So that's going to be interesting to see. I am excited for how that works out. All right, last thing I want to talk about is my top three free agents uh, in this draft. I mean, in this um, offseason, we have a few. NBA free agency is going to be what? Starting on the third, so just over two weeks away or just under two weeks away but i'm looking at three guys who i think are going to be really big i'm um, number three for me uh it, it it has to be demar Derozan. 
Uh, DeMar DeRozan turns 32 in August. Not a great three-point shooter. Shot 22% from three over his last three seasons. Uh, that's the worst mark around 365 players with at least 150 attempts over that time. So if he shoots it, you don't want that because he's not really a three-point shooter. He doesn't like shooting them, and he's not good when he takes them. So we know this. But his true shooting percentages have been up the top two most efficient of his career. 60.3 and 59.1. Um, that 59.1 ranks 17th among 45 players with the usage rate of 25% or higher. That's ahead of guys like Trey Young. That's ahead of guys like Luka Doncic. And while DeRozan isn't the playmaker that those guys are, he has definitely increased his personal playmaking. Not only talking about assists per game and assist percentage, but just look at what he's done with these young guys on the Spurs the last couple of years. He's really taken a big step up in that way, and I think he can give a, any team that he goes on. You know, he's not bringing the three-point shooting, he's not bringing the defense, but he is bringing the offensive punch. Um, whether it is that mid-range shooting, whether it is getting to the free throw line, converting from there, um, being a secondary offensive initiator at times, maybe being a quasi-primary initiator. I think he definitely brings that. Um, and he also saw the second biggest jump in assist turnover ratio among players who play at least 1,000 minutes, e- minutes in each of the last two seasons, according to NBA.com. So that's big. And that's someone who, you know, whether he is going to a Dallas, whether he ends up going to, it's not as clean a fit, but a Memphis, a guy that you have a specified role for him, and he can do that to the absolute T. That could be a reunion in Toronto. You don't know. You don't know. Number three for me is, I mean, number two um, for me is Kawhi Leonard. Uh Kawhi Leonard is weird. I think that that ACL injury, we don't know. The Clippers are giving whatever he wants. Uh, he could very well get a deal like Kevin Rant did when he first went to the Nets where you give him like a three-year deal and you know that first year is rendered moot to begin with because he's not going to play. But he is the best player in free agency, bar none. Um, he had a true shooting percentage of 67.9% in the playoffs. He was dominant. He's raised his passing game. He is unstoppable when he really wants to be. Like, he is a monster. He's just an absolute monster. Um, right now, like I said, the Clippers can probably give him whatever contract he wants. If he does want to look out, I'm sure a team like Miami, uh, a team like Dallas, any contender would would, would would stand at attention because Kawhi is just that dude. Um, he could opt in, uh, become a free agent next year. He could opt in, extend his current contract for two, three, four years. He could sign a new short-term deal, uh, one year plus another option, the Kevin Durant special, or sign a longer one. So what he does will kind of not only dictate his own belief in the Clippers front office and their direction moving forward, uh, a team that did go to the Western Conference Finals, a team um, that did that for the first time, I might add, a team that just extended Paul George this past season for several years to come. So if he says, hey, this is my team for the long haul, he'll probably do that, either opt out and extend or add a couple of years to it. If he wants to keep his options open and doesn't have full faith in the Clippers front office, then you may see him more turn to picking up the player option or um, just doing the one plus one to keep his options open. That is something that's in play. But where he goes, I think not only the Clippers will go, um, but that's also a big thing in the offseason because whether that means they're planning for next season to make moves, um, the Clippers, or other teams that are sniffing around that may have cap space in 2022 when the free agent class would be a lot bigger than this one was. That's the questions that are going to be out there. So should be very curious. The Clippers are waiting with bated breath. NBA fans, I'm sure, are as well. It should be very intriguing. Now, number one was interesting for me. Um, I flip-flopped back and forth on this one, but I am going with Kyle Lowry. And the reason I went with Kyle Lowry is because I think short-term, yes, he's 35, but short-term, Kyle Lowry is a guy who can impact um, a championship hope, or a championship, um, well, I said aspirations for a team. Uh, 
none of the contenders that went for him last year uh, obviously made the deal. I think they all came to regret it in one way or another. So those same teams will be doing the exact same thing to begin with. The Heat will be in the mix. The Lakers could be in the mix. Although, honestly, they really couldn't for the same reasons I talked about Chris Paul. The mechanics of a sign-and-trade deal kind of changed things up and financially just pushed the Lakers in a totally different stratosphere. But the Heat and Knicks are definitely going to be in there. The Knicks have seen, hey, we have a point guard consistently look what happened to us in the postseason. The Heat saw the exact same thing and they had a chance to get him. So they are there. And, you know, Lowry is still that guy. 35 years old, but, I mean, listen, right after the trade deadline is when he drops 37 on the Lakers. Big shooter, decent defender, someone whose leadership and heart are instantly applicable to a team and able to help them out in a major way. Even with this being the first of his nine-season Toronto that the Raptors statistically were better with him off the floor than they were with him on. It is really fuzzy. 0.2 to 0.3 points per 100 possessions. Doesn't really matter in my mind. But still, this is very interesting. Uh, Maybe... Lowry could go the route of a Chris Paul and go to the, like a, a the Dallas Mavericks, a young team that's going to get better and fit right in and lead them to newer heights like we saw Chris Paul do, uh, or to a lesser extent like we saw Mike Conley do with the Jazz. Um, it's possible. Uh, we'll have to see kind of what happens there. But I like Kyle Lowry, I think, for a short-term boon over the next year to two years, he could make an immediate impact in a way that I think is more so than who I would have had as number one, which was John Collins. John Collins also is a restricted free agent, so that's something there. A little bit of news as well, the um, the Hawks did pick up the qualifying offer, so he is also a complete restricted free agent there, um, and they'll probably match most offers, I'd imagine, seeing how well he played um, in that team reaching the Eastern Conference Finals, made big defensive plays. He was just an all-around great guy. He shot 70% or better on at least 100 shots in restricted area and 50% or better on at least 100 mid-range attempts. That's right up there with Jalen Brunson for the Mavs. Shout out to that underrated guy, right? And Nicole Jokic, who just so happened to be the MVP of the season. So, there we are with that. Um, should be very interesting to see where he fits. He was honorable mention for number one, but Lowry ultimately took the case. So, it's Lowry, Kawhi, and DeRozan as my top three most interesting free agents this season. Very, very interested to see how this all works out, but it should be a fun, fun offseason. Free agency is always my most exciting time of the year, and I'm so happy that it is just really right upon us. Got some birthdays to bring out, so happy birthday to Brandon Roy. Yep, B. Roy drafted in the 2006 NBA draft with the sixth overall pick by the Timberwolves. Remember, they then made that dumb trade uh, for Randy Foy. Just really dumb in retrospect. But Brandon Roy was a three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, uh, All-Rookie Team, and Rookie of the Year. Uh, played for the Blazers from 2007 to 2011. Uh, retired due to knee injuries. Came back for one short, forgettable stint with the Timberwolves in 2013. He is now 37 years old with career averages of 18 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 4.7 assists. One of the greatest what-if stories um, in NBA history just because of the potential that he had in all that he could have done. Um, even while still making an impact in his very, very short career in the NBA. Old school, the big dog, Dr. Duncan Stein, Antoine Carr, turned 60. So happy birthday to him. He was drafted eighth overall by the Detroit Pistons in the 1983 NBA draft. Uh, he played a v- long career with a variety of teams. He played uh, in total 
a chunk with the Hawks. So you had six seasons with Atlanta, four seasons with Utah. Um, he had three with San Antonio, two with Sacramento, one with Vancouver, and one with Houston, retiring at the ripe old age of 38. So he played from 1984 to 2000, known for its goggles, had a nice little low post game, nice little mid-range J. Uh, the dude could play. The dude could play. Uh, over 15 seasons, uh, he did some major work, um, averaging nine points, three rebounds, and an assist on 50% shooting, 70% from the free throw line in 987 career games. So, shout out to Antoine Carr. Uh, love Dr. Duncan Stein. I feel like that name was already taken, but the big dog, which, I mean, Glenn Robinson, also already taken, but still kind of funny. Uh, we have Gary Payton, the glove, who is 53. Hall of Famer, nine-time All-Star. Uh, he was a Steals champ in 1996. Nine times All-NBA, nine-time All-Defensive team. He was the All-Rookie team in 1991. He was a Defensive Player of the Year in 1996. Obviously a Hall of Famer. The dude played from 1991 to 2007, 16 seasons, 13 of which were spent with the Seattle Supersonics, where he averaged 18 points, four rebounds, and seven assists. He played a year with Milwaukee, uh a little bit with the Boston, a little bit with the Lakers, and then he finished with Miami, where he won the championship in 2006. He played one more year, but that was pretty much it. But the glove, one of the great defensive players of our time, uh, shot the three ball pretty well. I mean, he shot the three ball. Three, he shot the three ball pretty consistently. He was a career 31% shooter from three, so I I can't say pretty well. But he definitely wasn't afraid of getting that shot up. A career average of 16 points, three rebounds, and just under four rebounds and seven assists per game. Played 1,335 games. The dude, one of the best guys out of Oakland. Still talking, still part of the big three, still part of the NBA, still that dude. Um, all-time legend and 53 years old for Gary Payton. And then last but not least, we have Gerald Wallace, who will be 39 today. Gerald Wallace was an all-star. Uh, he was on the 2009-2010 all-defensive team. Uh, same year he was an all-star, I might add. He was the Steels champ in 2006. Uh, he was drafted in the first round, 25th overall from the Sacramento Kings and played 14 years in the NBA. Uh, seven of those was Charlotte, uh, his first three in Sacramento. Uh, then he played two, um, with Portland, two with the Brooklyn Nets, and he closed out his career in Boston. He flamed out kind of quick athletically. I think once his athleticism declined, he was, he was skilled in points for sure, but a lot of that was off his ability to finish in transition, his great defensive effort, his, his defensive versatility, the way he's able to get up and dunk the ball, all of that, and so, you know, he kind of just kind of burnt out kind of quick, it felt like, um, but I mean, playing from age 19 to 32, that's still a long, productive career, one of the great Charlotte Bobcat Hornets players in their history, uh, known as Crash, and that made sense, watch any uh, basketball highlight reel of Joe Wallace, and you will see a crash or two, him diving into stands, him crashing over the rim, that is cool. G-Force was a nickname he also had. Eh, I'm okay with that. I, I could do without, but Crash, give me Crash all day. All right, well, that will do it here for another episode of Round Ball Ramble. This is just the news episode, the recap episode, gets you all up to speed. Definitely make sure to keep it here for tomorrow's episode because we're going to be back with another great show. You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Make sure to check out Hoopball, like I always say on Twitter, at HoopballTweets, online hoop ball.com definitely make sure to step to that all sorts of content right now we have some tremendous draft content out there uh prospects uh strengths weaknesses how they might fit in from a fantasy perspective it's just great stuff you know off season right around the corner great deals are coming so this is the right time to be on board with that definitely make sure to check that out one more time on twitter at hoop ball tweets 
one more time online, hoop-ball.com. For my good friends, my peoples out there, whoever may be listening, I love y'all all, but I am Frosty, so y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.